time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your relationship no matter where it is, even if you are just getting started. Because here's the thing. The recipe for saving a marriage is the amped up recipe for having a great relationship. You see, we have to go back and fix some things that may not have been there earlier on. We have to relearn some things. Sometimes we get lost along the way and we don't know how to move forward. And that's part of this process to figure out how to move forward, no matter what's already happened in the relationship, no matter where you are, how to plot that new course. What I've discovered is no matter what we do, we can't redo those moments from the past, but we can do differently going forward. And maybe we have to do some repair work, right? That's what those apologies are about. That's what forgiveness is about is letting go of that old stuff, but finding a new pattern. So lately, I have been answering questions that have been submitted by people listening, and I'm going to continue that today. Um, I'm just going to use the first initial of this person as G, um, and then I'm going to talk some more from another email from E. So G and E today are going to be our guest questioners. If you've got a question that you want to have answered... I would love to hear. Today, we're going to be talking a good bit about uh, why even put forth the effort, what's that about, and also what's the importance of connection. But maybe you have another question, something that really has you flummoxed in this process, stuck in this process. What I'm looking for are, I keep calling them the Goldilocks questions. If you have a very, very specific question that only has to do with your specific situation, so specific that it's not going to really apply elsewhere, well, that's a coaching question. You can get that answered through a coaching session, either with me or with one of my coaches or through one of my coaching programs. Uh, We certainly have that available. Then there are those that are so broad that it's uh, beyond the scope of what we have here, the time we have here. Those are the ones I answer in my programs. My Save the Marriage system in particular is the place to get your questions on really how do you save the marriage. So if your question is how do I save my marriage, if that's what it boils down to, that's where you grab the system because that's way too large an issue to devote to here. Now you're going to see lots of places that have these hints and tricks, some ways of getting through you know, in a, in a short amount of time, and I can tell you hints and tricks aren't what you do. You can't hack a marriage. You have to restore a relationship. There are some ways you can make it really not work and some ways you can make it really long, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But the shortcuts are never short. If anything, they cause more damage. So if you've got a question that's a general question, I would love to hear from you. You can send it to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. I do want to remind you that is for podcast questions. That's not for support questions or coaching questions where you you might want to uh, talk about that. That is for these podcast questions. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. So I'm going to read most of this email. It says, my husband says he doesn't love me anymore and has lost his attraction towards me. Now, let me just pause here and say, you might have heard that another way, which is, you know, I love for you, I love you or I care for you, but I'm not 
in love with you, right? That's that's what the same thing is. So that's how it comes out a lot of times. Okay, to continue on, it says, therefore, after trying to find the love which he can't, which, by the way, now I'm talking again, this is Lee not reading, tells you that there was some attempt to rediscover love. The problem is the understanding of love is lost in this process. Okay, so back to the email. He has given up and thinks the only way forward is a separation. But I believe we can still find a way forward uh, in it if we don't focus all the time on him finding his love again and still have a good marriage. Now, there is some correctness and incorrectness to that. This is Lee again, not the email. So it is possible to keep finding a, a different way forward, but not irrelevant to the love question. We'll come back to that. Okay, so uh, she continues, um, he absolutely cannot see a way forward with that. And so it says, we've been in couples counseling for two years now. Should I still keep fighting to save the marriage? Okay, so let's kind of back up a minute. Uh, There's been work on this already, right? Um, G says, we've been in couples counseling for two years now. So if you've listened to me at all, you know that I have some concerns with marriage therapy. And let me be just personal self-disclaimer. I'm a trained marriage and family therapist, right? I am certified as that. And so it's not that I come at this thinking that, um, you know, there's something wrong with that profession as much as I think that we have some mistakes that are in the profession. And there's some mistakes that people make in therapy. I've talked about that on other uh, podcasts, my concerns about marriage. And uh, and it's really not about marriage theoretically. It's how marriage, ha- marriage counseling theoretically, but how marriage counseling happens. So the fact that a couple could be in therapy for two years and not make progress is no surprise to me. I hear that story on a regular basis. Now, that doesn't mean people don't keep trying. In fact, you know, if you think about that, this couple has been continuing a process that wasn't working for two years. There's a question of why to continue that, and here's the answer. People don't know what an alternative to that is. Interestingly, many times people will come to me and say, I know, I know, you don't think much about marriage therapy, which is absolutely not true. I just have some major concerns about it. But can you recommend me someone? So if you think that I disagree with marriage, and then you come to me and ask the question, so how can I still use therapy? There's an interesting disconnect there. There are some things that need to happen. So let's go back to that question. Should I still keep fighting to save the marriage? Okay, so let's be honest here. I wrote a book. I wrote a system. I wrote a program about saving a marriage, right? I've created a system on how to save a marriage. It's not likely that I'm going to suddenly say, oh, no, you shouldn't save your marriage. Now, there is an exception to that, and that is in uh, times of abuse. I do not believe that people should work on saving an abusive relationship. I don't think that's an appropriate place to spend your energy saving yourself. Being safe is the number one point for that. But for most other situations, I do believe that you continue to work on saving the relationship, saving the marriage. Is there a time when that's no longer possible? Absolutely. There can be a time when either you say, I am no longer willing to work on this, or there, something happens that makes it permanent. For instance, a spouse cuts off all communication, divorces, 
takes up another relationship, all those pieces can be times when you say, okay, you know, I, I can't, there's nothing I can do here. It's not that I don't want to, it's just that I can't. There are other times when a spouse might do something and you say, I'm no longer willing to. And, and sometimes uh, in my experience, that's been something criminal or relational. So sometimes someone realizes something is going on that is just too far beyond what they're willing to accept. Relationally, that might be multiple affairs, might be other types of activities. But there is a time when you can say, I'm not going to work on this. So let me tell you, my role is to help people work on this as long as they want to. As long as they want to keep pushing, I'm there. So the outcomes that I see are A, that you get to the point where you say, okay, I'm no longer willing, I've done what I will, or B, you save the relationship and I'm no longer a part of that process. And that's the place where I think uh, in either case, people can walk away going, okay, I did my best. If you save your relationship, you say, okay, I did my best and we were successful. But there's success even if you don't get the outcome you want, if you're able to say, I did everything I could. If you can look in the mirror and say, you know, I did it. I did everything I could possibly do. The ending of the relationship is not on me. Now, it is possible that you say the damage in the relationship is at least partly on me. You know, you can look and say, okay, I was a part of a disconnected relationship. I maybe acted in ways I shouldn't have. There are lots of pieces of that. But you don't have to own the decision to end the relationship. So that often is helpful for people. What I see as particularly painful, and this has been true throughout my career, is when people stop working on saving the relationship and then look back and realize they didn't do the best they could. They didn't do the most they could. That's the troubling part. You know, when things don't go the way we want to, if we're not able to get it the way we want to, the next best is to be able to say, but I did everything I could, everything in my power. You know, there's always a disclaimer in life that you can say, I want to get to this point. But then the disclaimer is, as long as it's possible. Sometimes it's not possible. So one of the things we often have to look at is the fact that there are limits to our capacity. We cannot get everything we want. There are limits to what is possible, but we get everything we try to, right? We, because there's a satisfaction in knowing that there's something else that, you know, that there's nothing more we could have done. At that moment when we know that we've done everything we can, we can rest in that. So the question is this, G, are you still wanting to fight for the relationship? I mean, that's the big thing you've got to face. So let's talk a little bit. I'm going to come back to this question in just a minute, and this is the reason I wanted to throw in this second question. So E wrote in and said, you talk on and on about connection and the importance of connection and how that is so crucial in a relationship. But what you don't talk about is some things that other people talk about. For instance, what about romance? What about re-romanticizing the relationship? Question mark there. What about date night? What about flirting with each other. What about sex? What about that? And then she continues on. Others talk about playing hard to get and others play, talk about the no contact rule. Why don't you talk about that? Okay. Important question. 
So let's talk a little bit about the reality of all of us. We are connectors by nature. It's in our DNA. That's why we even are interested in relationships in the first place is for for the connection that we get, whatever, and there are different types of connections throughout our lives. We're born into connection. When a baby is born, at least in best circumstances, that baby is surrounded by love and being held and being cared for. And it, it is a part of our instinct to do that. When you see a baby, you probably have the same instinct I want to of wanting to hold that baby and protect that baby and cuddle that baby. That's us needing that connection. The same thing happens when we're constantly looking for who is with us and who's against us. And we talk about how tribalized our culture has become, which is a shame that it has to go to that point. But even that reveals the level uh, we look for of connection because there's two levels of connection, who's for us and who's against us. Who stands beside us and who stands away from us? The connection is there on so many levels. Think about the time maybe you had a, an interesting conversation with somebody and you suddenly realize you had this deep connection with that person. Or in physical touch, you know, there's a physical bond that is incorporated into our lives when we touch somebody. When I was teaching scuba diving, uh, we talked about what happens in a scuba accident. The first thing you want to do is establish connection with the other person, physical connection. So you can't talk underwater. You can't say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Let's figure this out. You grab the other person. Now, part of the reason you grab the other person is so they don't float away. But the other reason is because it establishes a bond that we naturally get. You may not know this, but if you're in physical connection with somebody your physiology changes instantly. Well, it takes a few seconds. 15 to 30 seconds, according to science, it begins to cause uh, a bonding. Our body releases oxytocin, which is the bonding uh, hormone, and we, uh, it calms us. If you want to take a nap, grab a baby and watch that baby put you to sleep because that connection between you is releasing something. The same as when you feel comforted by a loving hug. And so that's part of what is in our DNA. It's wired into us. We know what happens to people when they are deprived of connection. They don't do well. There are physical symptoms of stress in the body, of inflammation in the body. There are physical symptoms that are manifest because there is not an adequate level of connection that we all need, we all uh, crave. And that's kind of what happens When you see a relationship in trouble, the connection is not there. And because the connection is not there, the distance begins to increase. In fact, when somebody feels disconnected, their tendency is to disconnect further, only deepening the division, which is where we wrap back around to that first um, part of the question from G that talks about, is it even there to fight for? What are you fighting for, right? Well, part of what you're really fighting for is reestablishing the connection. So let's go back to the beginning of a marriage that is based in a relationship that is based in a connection. You met your spouse somewhere under some circumstance. You didn't know them before. Suddenly you do, and you build a connection. Now, before you're married, that connection begins to grow. At some point, you say, wow, I want to cement this connection forever. So you get married. 
At that point, you have to make the pivot that I've talked about as becoming a we, right? That is a deep level of connection where you're bonded to the point where you say, we're in this together. I've got your back. You've got my back. We move through life as a team. Now, as a team, if you're on a team, you don't lose yourself. You bring your best self to that team. But you're fighting for each other. You're fighting for the result, right? You have a goal in mind that the team is moving towards. Winning a game if you're on an athletic team. But in life, winning together, you know, getting to your goals. That's the nature of uh, a marriage that's working. The problem is most people don't know they're trying to get to that level, that we. And because of that, they start struggling over who gets what and who uh, has a preference. That's part of what gets us into trouble. Instead of moving towards building the connection, we get lost in the lack of connection. The lack of connection tends to grow on itself. So what are you fighting for? You're fighting for connection. You're fighting for that reconnection. Now, gee, you note that you have two girls. And so even if you were to say, okay, this marriage isn't going to work, wouldn't you fight for a connection so that you can co-parent together? I even struggle with the word fight for, but I, I know what you mean by that. I think what we're doing is working towards building that connection. What you're trying to do is find a better path. And here is where it breaks down. You're finding a better path for the relationship and for you, for the relationship to move towards being a we. So this is really where you talk about my 3C strategy. It's what I call the three simple steps to saving your marriage. And simple is not the same as easy, but three simple steps is focusing on the connection, focusing on changing yourself, and focusing on creating a new path. Those are the three C's. So instead of thinking about it fighting for, I want you to focus on reestablishing the connection. You focus on changing yourself. So connection, changing yourself, which is not a way of me saying there's something wrong with you that you've got to fix. It's me saying we all can live better. We can all show up to life better. And part of what happens in life is we stop doing that sometimes. And so we've got to reestablish that and also creating that new path, which is about becoming a we. That's the thing. Now, let me drop down to E. So I've already discussed the fact that this the connection is so crucial for a marriage, but why not romance? Why not talking about date night or flirtation or sex? Well, usually because that's not where the relationship is. The feeling of in love is an overabundance of connection. I can be connected with somebody and not feel in love. I can love lots of people, right? I have friends I love. I have family members I love. It's not the same as being in love, which is when there is an overabundance of that connection, so much so that I have that extra chemical charge from it. And so a lot of times people try to re-romanticize a disconnected relationship, but there's not enough fuel in the tank. It's kind of like if you get in your car and there's, you know, just you're running on fumes. You've got to get to the gas station. It's the last thing you want to do is to punch the gas and try to, you know, force it there. What you're likely to have happen is you run out of gas because it's been inefficient. There's not enough power there. There's not enough fuel to get to that place. So that's why not romance. What happens on date night? My observation from working with lots of people who thought they would do that 
is that has so many expectations on it. It has so, uh, so much behind it that people who are feeling disconnected don't feel like doing date night, don't feel like being romantic or flirting or much less having sex. And that's something you build towards. It's not where you start from. You don't save a relationship with those things. That's what happens when you save a relationship. At some point, lots of times, after people have worked on reestablishing the connection and doing kind of the tools that I've talked about, of the tools of connection, which are ways of rebuilding the connection without chasing the person down. I talk about that in my VIP program, even lay out those, uh, those laws, those rules, uh, those tools. But after you've done that, once you've built up the connection, then you have a chance. So back to the car analogy, you know, you got a basic engine in there. You're trying to build it up and put the extra pieces on it, and then you can turbocharge it, but not until you've got it up and running again. Once you've got it up and running, you can remodel it however you want to. You can rebuild the engine. You can do lots of things that you choose to do in order to keep it from falling apart again. So date night's great when there is connection to hold it. Flirting is great when that's a natural manifestation of that connection. Romance is great when you have established the romantic feelings by that connection. All of those pieces are great when they are at the proper place. The danger is when you try to throw that in too soon. So let's go to the other end, which is, and and a lot of times people forget this, hard to get The no contact rule, all those ways of manipulating someone into loving you are the opposite of connection. If you're familiar with the no contact rule, a lot of that establishes that for 30 days you have zero contact. No text, no emails, no phone calls, no personal contact, nothing with that other person with the idea that you're going to make them jealous. But if you're in a disconnected relationship and you fully disconnect for one month, you're not making them jealous. You're proving the point. You're proving that there is no connection there. There's nothing to save. Some time ago, I had somebody who said, man, you know what? I don't know what happened. I was connecting. I was doing all the things you were saying. And and so then I decided it was time to do that no connect rule, no contact rule. 30 days later, there's no relationship. And I said, what did you think was going to happen if all you did for a while was build up the connection only to pull it away? Sometimes we have to think through what we're trying to do, how we're trying to establish it. If connection is the way back, then you keep rebuilding connection. You don't suddenly pull away and play hard to get, which is a game. You don't do no contact, which is a game. It's manipulation. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It comes from a place of manipulation. So that's why we don't do that piece. Instead, you work on rebuilding the damaged connection. Okay, so that answers for G and E, their questions they submitted. Uh, Again, if you have something to submit, please send it to podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's where the questions go. But right now, I want to just remind you that if you're stuck and you're going, okay, I get it, I've got to build connection, but I don't know how. Well, you're not alone. A lot of times, we don't know how to do that naturally in a marriage. Maybe you even do it with friends well or family well, but you don't know how to do it in a marriage. You don't understand that shift. Well, that's what I cover in the Save the Marriage system. You can find that by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. 
You'll also note that I said that I have some tools of connection for those who are really serious about figuring out how to connect without chasing somebody. You might need that kind of extra help. I give you that in the VIP virtual coaching program. Yeah, that is a subscription program. But if you get it with the system, I give you a free week to try it. It's a free week to see if it fits for you to use the resources, the tools, and all that. And so that will give you a chance to see if it makes sense. If it makes sense, then you may decide to stay in there. If not, that's fine. Uh, a lot of times people get what they need in that one uh, week. They, they get the tools they need, but you get that for free. All you have to do is say yes when I offer it to you. You just have to sign up for that, that free week. Now, let me just warn you. That free week when you buy the system, it's the only time I offer you that free week. Of all the things I do in life, one is I live up to my word. I promise you that if you pass on it, it will not reappear. You'll have to click a link that says, no, I do not want that free week. If you do, that's fine. It's up to you. But it goes away for good. You can still subscribe later on if there's room in the program when you do that. But... You can only get that free week when you sign up with Save the Marriage the first time. So if you're getting there now, if you're going to savethemarriage.com because you're ready to connect, ready to fix this, when I offer the free week, please take me up on it. There's no risk to it. If it's not what you need, let us know. We cancel you out and that's it. All right, that's it for the questions this week. I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.